Listen, I want you to open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. We're going to linger on just three verses. And um, if you're new, uh, the pastor doesn't normally wear a t-shirt preaching, but he's not opposed to it. Um, and this shirt seemed really, really fitting for our community group on-ramp Sunday. Um, if you are uh, from an adoptive family, or maybe a foster family, or a step family, then this phrase on my t-shirt makes a ton of sense to you. You're like, yep, amen, a hearty amen. But let me broaden it for you. If you are a Christian, this phrase makes all the sense in the world, right? That it's not a matter of our DNA. Uh, it's a matter of what brings us together. And family is way more than sort of the narrow definition that some people hold to it. I want you to think for a moment the last time that you were crazy concerned about something going in which on the back end, you thought, man, I invested a way amount of emotional energy on that, and I didn't really need to. So think about maybe um, uh, an interview. Uh, maybe it was, uh, I don't know, getting a new class at West Valley, and you were really stressed out about it going in. The event happened. The interview happened. Um, asking her out happened, right? Whatever it might have been, and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Why did I, why did I get so worked up over that? Something about time passing and being able to look back on it uh, that gives us perspective, right? And we're able to see things a little bit more clearly. In like fashion, there are some things that loom really large right now that one day I can guarantee you will not matter. One of the unique things about uh, being raised in the home of a pastor is I come home regularly uh, from different places. My job takes me different places. Um, and once in a while, I come home having just been at a hospital uh, with someone who may have taken their last breath that day, or I may have performed a graveside service. And so I come home, and we have all kinds of discussions. Other times, I come and say, hey, I met a brand new person today. I was like the fifth person in the world to meet this little baby. So I get to kind of see both spectrums of it. And let me say this, that on someone's deathbed, uh, I've been at this quite a long time, but on someone's deathbed, I have never heard people talk of achievements that in the moment, people want to talk to me about all the time. And in reality, like that will not matter. So just think right now, hurricanes, smoke, fires, politics, policies, homeless, Afghanistan, bills, like whatever it is, right? There's a lot of things on our mind. There's a lot of things that sort of churn us up. I have never sat with someone on their deathbed uh, and had them look back and say, um, you know, to me, like as I'm, as I'm talking about them, man, that traveling soccer team that I was on in eighth grade, whoo, that was something. I've never had an 80-year-old say that. I've never had someone who's like on a deathbed. I'm like, you know, what's on their mind? They're not like, man, Dave, in 2014... I won my fantasy football league. No, Dave, you don't get it. The whole thing. I was the winner. No one said that. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It's utterly meaningless in that moment. And yet going in, there are people, I think college football is going on. There are people yesterday who parked it in front of their TV, disengaged from everyone and everything for hours and hours and hours and hours at a time to watch people play football to schools they didn't go to. And they've invested tons of that. Now, before you like heap all kinds of shame and, yeah, those college football people, that's easy for me to hack on because I don't watch college football. Sounds like Christian didn't have a team. 
Before you do that, what's your college football? We all have college football. We all have things that we invest in. We think it's so important. We talk about people ask how it's going. Oh, this is what's on the forefront of my mind. My role many Sundays, most Sundays, I would say is this to sort of lift our veil and like keep lifting our eyes to things. I love the song. um, We believe thanks for leading us team. We just sang a creed part of a Christian creed that Christians have been gathering and saying we 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 over and over through the centuries possibly in caves in Afghanistan. There are Christians gathering to recite a creed. Reminding one another that Christianity is a team sport. We're in this together. We are not forgotten. We're not left as orphans. Jesus is coming back. Man, after looking back at the resurrection, back at the, at the crucifixion, we look ahead to the day when Jesus is coming back. Rich Mullins has a line in a song called If I Stand. He says, if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home. Some of the things stirring up in our world once again. It's a reminder this is not our home. I pray it disengages us from the meaningless frivolity that we all are tempted and prone to kind of slip back into. Now, you think that uh, at the end of life, um, the Bible says a few things last forever, right? People and his word. We're going to talk about community groups this morning, and they center on eternal matters, people and God's word. Two things the Bible says will last forever. Look through your Bible, Genesis to Revelation. You can't find too many other things um, that, that you can say that about. People and God's word. Now, you think that churches would have a corner on this, but often churches struggle with this just as much as everyone else. You get pastors together, and what they can talk about is this. Numbers, building projects, building failings that are going on, programs, Things that will not last forever. Logos. I mean, the kind of silly things that churches can get wrapped around and and sort of thinking about and talking about. And and beneath that are some really, really good things. I'm so thankful for this building. I can't tell you. It's really powerful to have a place to gather right now. But this building is not the church. We talk about that all the time. So even as we talk this morning about community groups... Let me say this, that programs, even good ones, are not eternal. The eternal value that I'm talking about this morning is really the value of community. There's 150 one another's in the scripture. Be tenderhearted to one another. Don't defraud one another. All kinds of one another's. Those are the eternal values that will not change. Our program called community groups can come or go. That's just a program. Think about this. Churches for a couple thousand years have been working on community groups. And churches just don't get this right. It's hard. It's hard to get people together. I always think about this. What if we nail it? If we as a church have over 80% of all of our active attendees in weekly community groups, we are in the upper echelon of American churches. What if we nail it? Like, What if we get 80%? What if we get 90%? What if somehow 100% of you, all of us who come, are always in a community group every week, fellowshipping around the word? Even then, we may be completely missing it. In our goal to make disciples, in our, grow to go to, our goal to grow up in Jesus, present everyone mature in Christ, getting them into a program is not, is not the end all. I think it's a really great start. I love that you're here. I think it's a really important thing that you're here. 
I think it's a really important thing that you get into a community group. But even if you're here and in a community group, how many people's testimony started this? I was a faithful church attender. I read my Bible all the time. I even taught in Sunday school, but I didn't know Jesus. There's tons of testimonies like that. I did a whole bunch of religious stuff. I didn't have a relationship. I wasn't valuing the things that God values. So, 1 Corinthians 3.13, I know you're in Ephesians, but listen to this. All of our effort, all of our work is going to be tested with fire. Each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital, that's the day that the Lord will return, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Here's the point. Tons of what we give ourselves to, tons of what we might give our time, energy, funds, whatever else to, is just going to go up in smoke. It's going to burn up and not really amount to anything. So here's a call this morning for us as a church and us as individuals and maybe us as families or couples or a friend group to say, let's critically look at where we're steering our life, where we're putting our time. Here's what community groups are for me. If I were to go and pull each one of you, if, you're, if you name the name of Christ, if I were to say, are other Christians important to you? I think the number would hover around 100% that would say, yep, I checked that box. Yes, that is true. Other Christians are important to me. We read the uh, scriptures and they tell us really plainly, not only the one another's, but just Jesus, like, over and over taught this and modeled this, right? So what community groups are for me is this. It takes my, my stated commitment and it puts it on the calendar. If I don't put it on my calendar, my commitment often wanes and, and, and falls apart. So weekly, I take my committed stated value of caring for people and being with people and getting to grow in relationship with one, of the, with one another and I put it on my weekly calendar. Does it happen at other times? Of course. But without fail, that thing keeps showing up in my week every single time. So I don't get to the end of six months and have all kinds of good intentions to look back on and go, man, we never did it. How many of you have said this? Hey, we should get together sometime. And then weeks or months goes by and it doesn't happen. Raise your hand if that's, if that's going on with you. Okay, I'm not alone. I do it all the time. Hey, we should really get together. This happened last Sunday. Someone said, we should really get together. And guess what? We got a text later on that week, and we had dinner with them. It's the Chows. They just walked in. That just popped into my mind. We just had dinner with the Chows on Friday night. Why? Because through that wall last Sunday, we said, man, it's been too long. We should really get together. And I think it was Joe that said, hey, let's actually do this. That's really all community groups is. It's saying, we're just going to put this on our calendar. All right. Here's our theme this week. Our theme is unity. Jesus says this, that our unity as Christians is our best witnessing tactic. To sort of modernize, it's this. You want to grow the Jesus brand? Unify. If you want to grow the Jesus brand, if you want to show off what this is all about, have a diverse group of people with a lot of different thoughts and ideas come around and sing, we believe, and start moving in the same direction together. It will just blow people's minds. I'm praying, part of my prayer for the Afghan people is this, God, as they show off you as the ultimate value in their life, would you expose how frivolous the rest of their lives are? There is a bright, shining moment of revival 
in the midst of the storm in Afghanistan, isn't there? Because right now, when it's absolutely darkest, neighbors will say, how on earth are you so calm? Why aren't you freaking out like everyone else? How come you're valuing other people and not trying to hoard and make sure that that you have it all together? I just read Acts 16 this morning, just going through my reading plan. An earthquake occurs where all the prison doors fling open. The jailer's about to kill himself. Paul limits the freedom that's his. He could have just seized that. He limits his freedom and stays in jail. What does God do with that? You know the story. Goes upstairs to the jailer's house. The whole family gets saved and baptized. Then the next day, he gets released anyways. Man, there's just loads of opportunity right now. Be praying for our brothers and sisters. Lucas, you said it so well. We're going to sing loud in our hallelujah right here because there are some people who can't say it right now in other places. So our theme centers around unity. This is a huge problem in our churches right now, and here's why. Many in the church are taking their cues from the culture instead of the other way around. We have a national pastime right now called divide. The flesh has always, always, always wanted to draw dividing lines between people. Always. God brings people together. Sin separates people. But right now it's heightened to sort of, like I said, national pastime status. Worse is this, that you cancel people you don't agree with instead of striving to understand people you don't agree with. End the conversation. Punish them by by ending and defriending. And many in the church are following suit with that. Let me give you a couple of verses. We're going to look at this more later on with Gria. But 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, there should be no divisions. You should be united in heart and mind. Philippians 2 is a crazy famous passage. If there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, there it is. If any comfort comes from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Church unity, unifying, is vital to what it means to be a Christian. And here's our theme verse for the season. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. little hint in case you didn't get there yet. It's on, it's on your handout if you want to look at it. Paul writes this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How on earth can we unify when there's such diversity? How on earth can we unify when there's such disagreement on some of these fundamental issues? Ephesians 4 tells us, first of all, One in spirit, one in love, one in purpose, one in mind is ours in Christ. Think about Jesus being up here at the top and 20 different people down here at the bottom, all trying to connect with each other. How does that go? Terrible. Now imagine all of them at the starting line down here with their eyes on Jesus and they all start walking towards Jesus. Are they getting closer? Yes or no? Yes. 
Why? Because they overcame their differences with one another? No, because they focused on Jesus Christ. Married couples, you're having problems? So many people go like this. I've got to get my wife to turn into me. (laughs) That's a huge problem. Christian couples, put your eyes on Jesus. Start start walking with him. You will grow in like-mindedness. You will grow in unity. You will grow in purpose. You 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 will do this. How are we to do this? With all humility, with all gentleness, with all patience, bearing with one another in love. It's a process. Church, the Bible just tells us the answer right here. I don't hear anything about gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. That is utterly foreign to the conversation happening outside the church. This is our moment to shine. We are going to remember this idea of unifying with three simple words that you will remember. Now, I forgot to make a title slide today, so you're going to help me out with this, okay? And I'm going to have some people. Matt, I want you to come on up. I want Matt to come on up to the front. And when I, when I have you, just come on up to the front here. Mom, because you're related to me, you get to come on up as well. So if you could, if you could come up. She just rolls her eyes like, man, when you're related to the pastor, that's tough. Um, who else we got? Did Charity leave? Charity, if you are outside and you can hear me, I would love for you to come up. Uh, Elazar, get up here. Um, John Garza, get up here. You're a perfect fit for, for what's going on. Come on, Elazar, get up here. You, you speak English. You heard me. He's like, am I really supposed to go up? All right, keep your mask on because you are going to be breaking the six-foot barrier. Go over here to Matt, okay? Um, and let's do one more. Ted, come on up here, Ted. I want you guys to gather around this chair right here. Here's what happens in sports regularly. I need you to form a circle around this chair. So some of you will have your back to the rest of your church mates, and that's okay. Charity, Nico, one of you two, if you're out there. There she is. Charity, are you willing to come help me out? Come up here, Charity. I need you to come and put your hand in. Here's something that happens with sports teams. Many, many practices. Charity, can you come up right here? I need your smiling face. I need you all to do this. I need you all to come put your hand in right here. In sports teams, over and over and over again, at practice, before the game, at halftime, after the game, coach says something. Ready? He says this. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in means this. Let's get all of our hands in here. We'll give you some uh, hand sanitizer after. So touch hands. Get in there. John's even wearing a jersey. Okay? Now, we're going to take a picture looking from below, looking up at all these hands, and instead of a stock image where we try to get a few from different generations or different cultures, and let's have it all represented, let's just do our own church. So you guys are helping me with this. Matt, you're going to snap the picture and and do it right now. So go ahead and click the picture. Is it going? going. We got it. Okay, so on the count of three, uh, it's it's Jesus on three. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! That's it. All right, give him a hand. You guys can go sit down. There's a great book I got called Help, I'm Married to the Pastor. Um, my wife got that. My mom needs one help. I'm the, I'm the mother of the pastor. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate, I appreciate you doing that. Here's what's going to happen. Matt's going to formulate our title image um, right now. He's going to do it live uh, in person. So we'll get to see that image in just a second. But when you see bring it, bring it in, when you see bring it in over the next several months, 
I want you to think about this. Bring it in. A team never brings it in to just linger and hang out. You don't bring it in just to, just to like linger and hang out here. No one does that. Community groups, think about this, are a touch point of a team with a lot of different diversity, all coming together in close proximity, looking each other in the eye, reminding them of the mission. Whether you're winning or losing, whether you're in the heat of the battle of the fourth quarter or just wrapping up practice, right, through all the seasons of what it means to be a team, Coach regularly just says, bring it in. Grown men who are millionaires, they're called NFL players, will do this countless times. So church, as we see, bring it in. Don't let it just be this cutesy thing. I want you to remember this because our coming together as a community group in this season is a reminder there are things to be won and lost right now in this season. We are not coming together to linger and have coffee. That's not what this is about. This is about something far bigger and far more important. So I want bring it in uh, just to be thought about for you in that way. Let me very quickly show you this image. Someone said this. I don't even know who I can give credit to, but it says this. It takes a habit to break a habit. Particularly with 2020, there are many, many Christians who are in the habit of not being together in person. Prior to that, there were many, many Christians who thought coming on Sunday morning was enough and really connecting and going through the messiness of being in relationship with other people was not necessary. They were in the habit of being separated from their fellow believers. They may have had friends and family. They may have done stuff. They may have come and participated in programs. But truth be told, they were not in community with their church family. They were living separate lives from the rest of them. So it takes a habit to break a habit. God calls us to a life together. Some of you need to continue the habit that you began last year. We had our largest on-ramp of people joining a community group last year than our entire church's history. I'm praying for much of the same today. Some of you need to begin to form a new habit today. This image right here of the play button kind of communicates to us. Uh, If we can put up the play button, Ron, that would be awesome. Um, This image is just like a communication to all of us, a reminder. What do the words make disciples mean? That's Jesus. They're written in red. So make disciples is what this is talking about. And we are crazy devoted to a couple of key programs around this church. In fact, we actually don't clutter our church program with all kinds of other things to make it crystal clear. Sunday morning is what we're doing right now, gathering for prayer, gathering for teaching around the word, gathering for singing, gathering for offering, baptism, communion. That is one giant program that we do. Think of that as one pedal on a bicycle. How do you do with one pedal? Kind of terrible. Think of it as one wing on an airplane. How do you do with one wing? Terrible. So what's the second wing? What's the second pedal? Here it is, community groups. We gather on Sunday in a large group. We gather midweek in small groups. That's it. That is our church. And those two things together are all the more vital in the season that we find ourselves in. I want to invite Gria up right now. Uh, We're kind of tag teaming this message. So I want Gria to kind of uh, walk through some things and then we'll give you instruction after that.
Cool. Thanks, Dave. And Ryan, the slide would be great if you bring it back up whenever you get a chance. So I want to talk about what Christian fellowship is. Is it a, like there's a ring, right? Yeah. Is it okay? All right. Um, so I'm going to talk about what Christian fellowship is. And, uh, and to do that, first of all, just what's fellowship? I looked this up in the, in the dictionary. And uh, fellowship is actually more than just friends. So the way you would define this uh, in the dictionary, it's a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. So it's not just you know, a bunch of buddies necessarily, but there's, this shared, uh, there's a shared interest. So, uh, so now when, I, when we think about what Christian fellowship is, let's see what that looks like. What is that shared interest? So first of all, Christian fellowship is with God. That's the common interest. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says this. It says, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and in there, in that verse, that word fellowship is Greek uh, koinonia. Uh, and you'll see that being used as fellowship uh, in other parts of the Bible. In fact, I think it shows up in about 19 places in the New Testament. We're not going to look at all those places. Um, but it just gives you an idea that it's, it's more about, than just about friendship. Um, so when we talk about Christian fellowship and community groups, this is a group of people that are meeting with God, not just with each other. Uh, we, know, uh, we know Matthew 18, 20, for example, says, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am among them. So, so there's, there's this, just, just this, this continued idea that it's not just fellowship like friends, but it's a goal. And for me, I love movies, and when, I, when, when Dave mentioned, you know, I should talk about Christian fellowship, you know, first thing that comes to my mind is Lord of the Rings, right? That's a top 10 movie series. If you haven't seen it, like, I think it's, it's starting to become like an oldie movie now, which is crazy. But, uh, but if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it, or, or you can read the books. Uh, but I love the, that, the fellowship of the ring, right? Like you have this group of people, uh, or rather this group of uh, characters, if you will, right? There's some hobbits, and there's an elf that's really cool, uh, and Gandalf, right? Like, you shall not pass. That's really, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Thank you, Dave. Uh, but, uh, but this is a, a group of people. It's a fellowship with a common mission, Right? They had to destroy this ring. They had to destroy the symbol of evil. They're all different and yet united. Right? And, uh, and as they went through, they were persecuted. Uh, they had trials, but they knew what they had to do to succeed. Um, and so God is in it with us. And this verse, this, this 1 Corinthians 1.9. Uh, okay. Yeah, this 1 Corinthians 1.9 verse is... Uh, that we're invited into God's fellowship, His friendship, His mission. Uh, so it starts with God. Number two, what, what's Christian fellowship? Christian fellowship is grounded in the truth of the gospel of Jesus. First uh, John one three says, "That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us." And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. So this is key to all of it. You're grounded in the gospel. 
uh, lots of verses here about, about the word and about the gospel. Um, I'll, use, I'll use 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. I'll use a different one next service. I'll come back to hear the other verse. Uh, so 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we're grounded in the gospel, and we are, um, and we're, and we're there because, uh, and the the word is what helps us to have that that just that common understanding. Number three, this is dramatized in communion, as in you see it very very clearly in communion. First Corinthians ten sixteen says, "The cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation." And that word participation, actually also koinonia, uh, is not a participation, it's not a fellowship in the blood of Christ. This bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. So, we're on the same team, and we share Christ together. We're united in Christ. We're united around that table. We're, we're united in that sharing of that goal. I'm going to say some things that maybe are a little controversial, but they really shouldn't be. What defines us, what unites us, is not our political view. What? It's our participation in the body of Christ. It's our Christ-likeness. What defines us is Christ. We're Christians. That's what we declare in communion, and that's what our lives should declare. We're first and foremost Christians. We're not first and foremost right-wing not first and foremost left-wing. We're not first and foremost American or something else. I'm going to say it, and, and I think some folks need to really hear this. Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat either. Uh, he's not American. He's not pro or anti the COVID vaccine. That's absolutely true. What is Jesus, though? He's our Lord and Savior who purchased our lives with his blood so that we can glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is what he is. God is pro-God. God is pro his glory. He's the only one that's worthy. And that's what Christian fellowship is. It's together with God, together in a, in a common goal with those that follow after Christ, all the while grounded in the truth of the gospel of Jesus. That's how you can pick these things apart. And that's how you can know if you're, if you're pro-God. And that's how we keep ourselves grounded. One thing that Christian fellowship is not, man, it is not easy. Sharing never is, is never easy. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Isolation may feel safer, but it isn't. Isolation breeds distortion. A great pastor, I heard him say this, and and man, it stuck. Isolation breeds distortion. You have this echo chamber. You can't have this echo chamber of your own views. On your phones, great invention, but on your phones... Uh, we have what's what are called recommendation engines, and those power what you read. And so if you read something, uh, you will get more of that on your phone. 
in advertising, it's called lookalike modeling. You get more of that because you're more, more likely to click on the ad. You're more likely to read the article. And so this can form a really unhealthy feedback loop if you're not careful. And what can get you out of it? A community. And I say a diverse community. That can really help. Debate, discuss, be open. But in all of it, how do you know? How do you know what, you sh how, what it all looks like and what's right and what's, what's wrong? You have to be grounded in the word. The Bereans in Acts 17, when Paul and Silas, Paul, an apostle, he comes to the Bereans, and when they arrived, they went in the Jewish synagogue, and these Jews, these Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, and what did they do? They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, and many of them therefore believed um, and, and they're, they're highly celebrated. Now, persecution is scary. Community is scary, right? So isolation is, is scary. It may seem safer, but it's scary. But now, if you truly do this fellowship around the word and this common goal for the cause of Christ, that can actually lead to persecution. Like in Lord of the Rings, right? That could, that could have easily cost their lives, and it cost many people their lives. We're called to sharing God's suffering. Now, again, this is where distortion can happen. You might say, well, I'm suffering for the cause of Christ because I am doing something or other. Maybe, maybe that something or other is right. Maybe it isn't. I see so much argument and hills that people are fighting for that may not be what Christ is actually fighting for. You have to be grounded in the word to know the difference. So I'll just summarize what fellowship is. It's association with people that share one's interests with a common goal. It's with God. It's grounded in the gospel of Jesus. It's dramatizing communion. And it's certainly not easy. But I tell you what, it's absolutely worth it. Because the alternative is far, far too scary. And so at NBC, the way we show fellowship is like Dave was saying, it's, it's Sundays, but it's also community groups. And an NBC community group is really fellowship around the word. So our community groups meet weekly, generally speaking. They do more than just study the Bible, though that's a really key piece of it. So you, you never do less than study the Bible. You do more. You have fellowship around the word and you study, and you study God's word. So much more to say. I'd love to talk to you all after I have deep, deep passion here, but I will call Dave up for the, for the rest of the sermon. Man, thanks, Bria. So listen, um, here's what we're going to do with the rest of our morning is um, I'm going to actually have our community group leaders come up and just share three things very, very quickly. Um, when and where do you meet as a group? Um, who is your group for? Some of them are very targeted. Some of them are wide open. Um, and then lastly, what is the focus of your group? The, the norm of our group is they are, they are sermon-based small groups, meaning we invest a lot of time in here every Sunday studying, let's say, a chapter in the book of Micah. And then instead of going and gaining more knowledge and just heaping knowledge upon knowledge, we take our community groups to sort of massage them into our life and discuss them and talk about them. So if you've been through college or hope to be in college someday, you will recognize there is a lecture lab format. Lecture is being talked at. That's what we're doing right now. Lab is hands-on. 
where you get to kind of jump in and participate and, and weigh in. So that's sort of our, our norm. So CG leaders, you know who you are. Come on up. You're standing in the back. You're over here. Chow's coming up this way. Um, and I want to give them time for this. Let me say this, that um, we, use, we use this idea of an, an on-ramp in a very intentional way. Um, um, on-ramps allow for people to, to come and get on, onto the freeway. I have some new drivers here sitting in the front row. Um, and uh, when you're teaching a new driver to, to get on the freeway, you know this, that, that merging onto a freeway can be scary. One of the things it requires is commitment, that you get on. We are asking that you commit for the next six weeks. These are not groups for life. Some people hear life groups, they're like, for life? I could never pick anything for life. This is a six-week commitment, at which point there's an off-ramp to say, yep, I'm, I'm going to switch groups. This isn't for me. It's not working, whatever else. Uh, but we ask for a six-week um, commitment for this. What's happening today is all of these leaders are going to be spread around the room with clipboards, and you get to go up and just say, hey, can you put my name down? I'd like to find out more information about your group. Or I heard when your group meets, what it covers, I want in. Here's my name and the best way to reach me.